Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill. This is episode 65. We keep continuing our long march towards the 100. But seeing as we're all going to live forever, I don't think it really matters, does it? Well, this episode is going to be my long talked about dissemination um, of where the music industry is, of where the live music industry is. I suppose in a way this podcast has kind of written itself, considering if you've been following me on Instagram or even on the antiquarian old school archaic dusty shelf that is Facebook, you will have seen some of my opinions about the Dublin pilot event. So what I'm going to do is talk a bit about that and then broaden that out into where the music industry is. I'd like to also make a video of this as well for my YouTube channel, but understand that a 50-60 minute long video isn't going to get the views that perhaps maybe it needs without sounding a little bit arrogant, but I think some people need a few potential home truths about where the music industry is. And I understand that most things are 5, 10, 15, 20 minute little snappy sound bites of things. And so therefore making uh, a longer form video, well, we'll see what I get around to doing. So I should mention that over on my Patreon, patreon.com, I do, um, there's rehearsals, there's songs. There is bonus podcasts, all sorts of other stuff. There's no tier level, so go over and check it out. Just put in bracket Alan Averill, A-V-E-R-I-L-L if you want to check it out. There are a few sponsors. 
the first of whom is metalblade.com, 40 years of heavy metal history. If you're in North America, go over to the website, put an order in and you will get 10% off everything from Slayer to Cannibal Corpse. Go and take a look at that. So over the weekend um, in Dublin, they ran a pilot event. Um, I'll try and explain it for those of you outside of the Emerald Isle, as to what that means and what happened. Um, Kilmainham is an old jail in Dublin, which has a sort of natural amphitheatre space. And there's been traditionally gigs there. Leonard Cohen has played there. Nick Cave has played there. So what they decided to do was to run a pilot event. Now, if you're not, um, if you're listening on a normal podcast platforms, you won't see this, but I'll try and put up some pictures. You can go and look at my Instagram and you will see the pictures, what I'm referring to, um, of the event. Of course, all nearly all of the mainstream media just, um, you know, painted it with a sunny side up brush and said, oh, isn't it great? Live music is com- coming back. Look, there's a few honeys having a beer. Um, Hunzos, as they call them in Hunzos. That's the wrong accent, isn't it? Hunzos, as they call them in Dublin, having a great time, having the crack. Ah, sure, look it. Sure, look it. It'll be grand. Anyway, so you can go and take a look at my Instagram if you want to see the pictures. But what it very much resembles is uh, a cattle market. They built um, they built basically pens for people. You could call them cages, but um, steel girders and barriers they built. An entire field of girders and barriers with a number referencing system. Uh, and you had to put down, apparently you had to uh, six to a cage... And you had to put down into some sort of timing roster when you could uh, go to the toilet and when you could go and get a beer. On will, Cadigum, Dolomach, Marche de Holle. It's a little bit of Irish for you. When we were kids, we were told to put our hands up and say that when we wanted to go to the toilet. Yes, that kind of thing. Um, And so it looked very dreary. It was a grey, kind of gloomy evening, as is typical in Ireland, because... Having open air culture in Ireland just kind of doesn't work. It's like Irish people at the beach. We don't belong at the beach with our frozen chunky chip um, shoulders and pasty faces and, you know, lobster skin. We don't belong there. And neither does a balmy evening um, watching uh, an open air event in Ireland. I once went to see The Cure a few years ago and it was literally freezing cold. Uh, And it was July. Um, Totally common for Ireland. There was one summer a couple of years ago where uh, the myth says it rained from one minute to an entire day for almost five, six weeks. Gigs were washed out. Sporting events were washed out. There was flash floods in the city. That's what somewhere in Dublin can be like. So the idea that you um, can somehow just create, of course, an outdoor dining culture in Ireland is just nonsense. Um, and my more optimistic friends were going, oh, look, look what they're doing to the city. They're making a more space for restauranters to uh, gain back some income. And I thought, no, what they're doing is creating a two-tiered sort of apartheid dining situation whereby the vicinated can go inside and the unvicinated can stay outside and never the, never the twain shall meet. Um, and that's exactly what it seems to be what they are doing. And so... What they did is they, I don't even know any of the bands, to be honest with you. Um, That was not really, didn't really register with me. Um, I certainly wasn't asked to take part, nor would I have. 
But however, that's something else completely different. So they created these um, steel kind of cages. I mean, that's really what they look like. How they didn't look at the optics of this because they took pictures themselves for their own sight and went, look at the incredible organisation we have for you, not realising, hey, these look like cattle holding pens on their way to slaughter. But, you know, as I've said, when your government and when your state treats you like, um, uh, by turns, cattle and then children, then this is what you get. And so the optics were terrible. It looked very dark. It looked, well, to me, I mean, look, this is, look, the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. What do you expect? I've got a couple of messages and pushback from people, little here, here and there. You know, look, I know who my, let's shall we say, target audience is, and they certainly don't come here for a sunny side up, chi, uh, you know, chi breezy chit chat. Uh, this isn't The View or something or whatever. I don't know what The View is. I just plucked that out of the ether. Um, this isn't Good Morning with, you know, um, whoever I am. Um, good morning with Alanis or whatever. It's called Agitators Anonymous. And that's kind of my worldview. And that's kind of where the podcast is. So complaining that I'm complaining is a kind of self-defeating um, concept. It's like the dog chasing its own tail. Of course, I'm going to be complaining. Give me things. Um, give me something to not complain about. And I might, you know, might... Uh, Aim for a different target. Ah, target, of course. Well, my target this time is, of course, the pilot event in Dublin. So, like I said, if you're outside of Ireland, you don't know what I'm talking about. Just bear with me as I go through the process. So you needed an antigen test to get in, regardless of whether you were vaccinated or not. It would seem, although, as I understand it, um, you were supposed to have been vaccinated. No, I don't know quite how that was enforced like all these things the arbitrary rules and restrictions are enforced um, by middle management civil servanty or just people working for minimum wage who I don't know how strictly they know all the changing rules they're kind of like um, cultural language that comes and goes every other week knowing all the arbitrary rules and regulations and are you paid well enough to enforce them or does it appeal to the vaguely authoritarian nature that underpins them like, do you need, do you, do you really get off on having that C Division security uniform? We've all seen those. Um, we've all seen those people working at, I don't know, supermarkets to train stations who take a very great relish in being able to tell a few people what to do. And God knows, or whoever knows for the last 18 months, so many people have taken so much shit that they do relish to uh, wield a little stick, a little bit of influence and power. Anyway, so... You have the, all of these cages, pens, uh, holding cells, whatever you want to watch some bands, etc. Um, the papers, the newspapers and mainstream media tried to like present this cheery side up um, view of what was happening. But let's be clear. Um, the antigen testing, the antigen testing company would happen to be called Medmark, which it would seem is owned by the uh, brother of Green Party TD Eamon Ryan. Oh, isn't that strange and curious? Who knew that Ireland ran on such nepotism? And you can imagine how things went. PJ, PJ answers the phone. He goes, well, now we've got a job for you. We need as many iron girders as we can. We're going to make this a, a secure event in, in Kilmainham. 
Yeah, look, I'm not going to try and do too many accents. What I'm trying to say is that you just know the way Ireland works, which is that a month ago, someone got the contract providing all those steel uh, girders, whatever you call them, um, for the for the event. And so regardless of how it looked, the optics and the fact that they're just unnecessary. Um, well, PJ had to be paid and he was going to do his job and he had 10, 20 security lads that day brought up from the country to monitor the event, blah, 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 blah. Rather typical um, Dunbelievables way of running Irish society. If you don't know Dunbelievables, you may have to YouTube that. It's a kind of comedy show that uh, pillories the exact kind of thing you just know was behind an awful lot of this. The point was, let me try and make a serious comment for a moment about all of this. As obviously it disgusts me. And like I said, the optics are terrible. Um, it looks like, to me, it looks like uh, authoritarianism. It looks like something like people will be shepherded into a gig in North Korea or, okay, let's climb that down maybe. No, maybe not even in China. We've seen, we've seen Wuhan having their pool party last July. Um, or at least we were told that's what it was. Um, but the point is that... Um, and I'm looking at an article now. Uh, well, I'll try and bring it up. I don't quite know how to do that. But within the Irish Times, outdoor transmissions account for 0.1% of states' COVID cases. Just 262 cases traced to outdoor activities since the pandemic began. Official figures reveal um, one confirmed case, blah, 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 blah. And there is no deaths because you know that if there was a death or two, well, the story would have led with that because the mainstream media is more or less um, duplicitous. Uh, within its um, approach to reporting of this whole uh, event, this whole emergency. Um, but the fact is that there is no a need for these pens, these cages. We already know this. There's been pilot events in all of these other countries. In fact, let's just be honest. In the last podcast, you will have heard me tell a story about my old dad watching the football, looking up from the paper and going, geez, that's a full stadium. Why not just call somebody who, uh, call, I don't know, Wembley Stadium, the manager, and go, hey, was there any track and traces to Wembley last weekend? All right, yeah, no, there wasn't. Right, so we don't need all these pens and cages and steel girders. It's not necessary. Even the WHO themselves say that outside transmissibility is almost negligible. So therefore, why do you need to hold people in pens and cages? It's not necessary. Um, you have the data. In fact, the state did ran a, a gig in the Ivy Gardens, which, you know, obviously outside of Dublin won't mean anything to you. But this is another kind of really nice little park, uh, kind of hidden park in the middle of Dublin. It has a nice sweeping down natural amphitheatre as well. They held a gig three or four weeks ago. Why not just look at the data from that and then think to yourself, right, we don't need all of these. Now, that even... That's even before we are led to um, what I think is one of the most incredible moments of this whole thing, which is the um, North Korea style um, Big Brother is watching you messaging that was happening um, at the side of the stage on the electronic screen. A huge um, sign would appear which says please use social media to tell the world you're having a great time hashtag pilot event I kid you not literally straight out um, straight out of the uh, eastern um, propagandizing playbook is this messaging electronic messaging telling the crowd tell the world you're having a good time like this baffles me because 
the optics of that are so bad. So either it's one thing, which is that they just don't give a fuck anymore. They're like, hey, listen, we have we have our boot on your neck. Shut the fuck up. These are the rules now. Um, no dissent is possible. Tell the world you're having a good time. And this is just a rather grim portent for the future. Um, it's either that or it's just plain incompetence. People who don't understand that the optics of this make it look exactly like something from the Ministry of Truth. Um, it's Orwellian. It's dystopian. It's literally beyond comprehension of anybody who understands how the how this how the optics look. All of the optics for this event are bad, all of them, except a few pictures that uh, you know that the sta- that they tried to t- show of people having a good time in their little um, six to a pen cages. Uh, I I could only imagine being in one of those pens. Um, and of uh, you know enjoying myself if I'd had some form of a lobotomy, considering um, what surrounded me, the optics, not just the optics, the intent, the fact that the what the state is saying is this is how much we distrust you to sing and dance and embrace, despite the fact you watched people embracing uh, when a goal was scored in the football on the TV in your home where you should be in the confines of your four walls. Can can you please? go back there and stop hassling us for outdoor events or live music or whatever else. And like I said, the optics of that screen telling people to enjoy themselves, it's just staggers me. And it makes me furious, to be honest, that somehow now this is just, Asher, this is just acceptable. This is what you do. In 18 months, um, the kind of people who would have thought maybe two or three years ago, you can't, you can't do that, really, can you? Now, just go, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Fuck them. Uh, tell them to enjoy themselves. Shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, arbitrary antigen test. Yeah, okay, moneymaker. Um, easily traced to this company who are related to the government. It's just business as usual. It's just politics as usual. Now, I've said this on the, politi- on the podcast, on the politics, on the podcast before, that one of the things that gives me some form of hope in relation to this not being the full reset dystopian nightmare that we might be immersed into, is that it is just politics as usual and that there are so many narratives of grifting uh, politicians, um, people trying to avoid any risk or jeopardy. And like in the question of this Medmark Ryan thing, just trying to make extra cash. If this is just um, if this is just a, a financial putsch, so to speak, then we may get some of our freedoms back in time once the cash cow has been drained, so to speak. Um, But it may not be. Also, the idea of running a pilot test in the middle of the summer, when there is only four to five weeks left, when what? This means you're going to do another one in three weeks and then you can have had two during the summer. And then we're back to August and it starts to rain again in September. This is not what you should be doing or you should have done this three months ago. Um, oh, actually, in theory, you should have done it last summer. Because you're going to get, what, two, three more goes at trying to do something like this. Um, you had the data. The state had the data from the previous one a month ago. They didn't need to create this. And also, why not just make it, if you understand that there is negligible outside transmissions, why not make it free and allow 20,000 people in there to dance and sing and enjoy themselves and give them some form of humanity back? 
unless that is not your intention, which is what I've been contending with my podcast since episode one. Like I said, it's called Agitators Anonymous. The clue is in the name. If you're looking for sunny side up, cheery bonhomie, you're in the wrong place. And unfortunately for all those people who protest the protesters and want this to be a different place, I've been kind of right so far in what I've been saying. Hmm. And even the most, even my most vocal critics did have to look at the optics of last weekend and go, Jesus Christ, that looks terrible. That really does look like a scene from um, some documentary, Vice documentary we've seen about a North Korean opera, for example. And let me come to the terms of the antigen test. Like I said, the antigen test, of course, has links to... um, People who have a vested interest in lockdown continuing. But the problem, as, I, as I'll try and broaden this out, like I said, um, the, the state here could have looked at um, other examples of pilot events and just literally got on the phone and gone, hey, how did that go for you in Bucharest after that? Yeah, it was fine. There was no, you know, there was no cases. There was no this or the other. All right, you're okay. So we don't really need to do that. Nah, you don't. Could have done some accents there, Mr. Mr. Missed an opportunity. But I shall try and do some more accents as we move forward. Even my friends, I have friends in other countries who've been to gigs now. They've been, okay, to some seated shows. They've gone to see a band um, where they've tried to make a stage outside the bar. People sit and watch in Spain. They're within bars watching gigs. My friend uh, Ola, who recorded the last Primordial album, Ola Esford, um, stand-up gentleman, has been playing gigs in bars, people have been sending me pictures of like, hey, I want to see Pro Fanatica last month. I want to see this. I want to see that. Things are happening. And that does give me some hope. But here we are just dragging our heels. I mean, it's clear. Look, I've said this for months that the arts and culture, live music, whatever, doesn't matter a fuck, really. And the state leans into it when it suits itself. Uh, otherwise, doesn't really care. But what is clear is that there's an underlying mistrust of the public here. They, as long as as long as alcohol is involved, and the people who are in charge of um, deciding these arbitrary um, decisions want to change fundamentally Irish society, they want to take the gun out of Irish politics. You know, they want to take they want to take the booze out of Irish socialising, so to say. Uh, as long as that's their agenda, which is clear that it is, they mistrust younger people or the kind of people who will be going to a gig like this to not get pissed up, to not embrace and talk very loudly in their ears. Like, I, I kid you not, Dublin pubs are not allowed to play music. Um, you know who else didn't really like music very much? I've heard these, these Taliban chaps didn't care for it very much. Anyway, the show is also sponsored by Eisenwald Records, one of the fastest up and coming new labels, loads of great bands, dark, pagan metal, post-black metal, black metal, all sorts of stuff. Go to the website www.isenton.de in Europe and .com in North America. And when you use the promo code ALAN, you will get 10% off. Go and take a look and support the show. The point about, as I try and broaden this rant out, is that antigen testing could be the death knell of touring. They're saying that people who are vaccinated will be able to travel freely in the EU. That's that's one thing. But the idea that you need to be antigen tested to go into the venue, if this applies to musicians, 
and musicians who travel and go from country to country on tour, they simply can't do this because the threat of one false positive, and let's be clear, the antigen testing has a great percentage of failure. Um, so therefore, one false antigen test and your tour could be cancelled. How can you plan for a tour? How can you plan, book a band nine months in advance and go, OK, here's your tour itinerary, 30 days, and you're going, OK, so Holland to Belgium, what are the rules? OK, they've changed. Are they changing tomorrow? Do we need a test? Um, are we setting up a black economy um, of faked tests and, and venues that will just um, bend the rules to try and make these things happen? I think that's what we're kind of suggesting, is, which is that we may live music might have to return to the 1980s or the 1970s, or my friends who lived, grew, grew up behind the Iron Curtain who had to find venues that were willing to bend the rules to allow events to happen. Now, how you can plan for that, being a band who A, needs to be paid and travel and tour, let me use my two own bands as an example. Primordial can't really operate like that. Dread Sovereign could, because Dread Sovereign is a band that plays to 40, 50 people, sometimes 100 people, 150 if we're really lucky. Primordial is a bigger machine that requires economics and more um, rules and regulations around it, so to speak, in the sense that, of course, everyone else works. Every musician these days works. My point being that um, bending the rules, so to speak, isn't possible. But for small underground bands who are, you know, doing those Kill Town tours, sometimes playing to 30, 40, 50 people, some rules can be bent. Maybe you're going to be able to just play punk squats or whatever. I don't know. Maybe a part of the scene needs to go back to that. But I'd rather it was on our own terms and not enforced upon us. But the point is, if that antigen rule stays, and let's be honest, it's just a cash cow. It's a huge cash cow. Hey, can you go and you probably watched the three guys. I did anyway on YouTube who went to some rave in England and they had to take antigen tests in the morning. They feel themselves doing it and send then and then literally send a screenshot in or whatever it was of their antigen test to the ticket agency who then sent them their electronic ticket. Now, of course, we're talking about tens of millions of people trying to do the same kind of thing. So like I said, it's going to lead to complete and utter bureaucratic chaos and people taking no doubt liberties with the rules as human nature will dictate you try and find a way. But as a band, how can you um, plan for that? How can you accommodate the potentiality of... Um, a false positive or something like this. It, it basically could mean if antigen testing stays, that may be just the end of touring. You may literally just have to announce your festival. Hey, we're Chaos Descends. It's going to happen in July and Christmas doors. And these are the bands we hope are going to play. We think are going to play. And then whoever shows up, shows up. The crowd is going to have to accept that maybe Blasphemy didn't get here or Primordial or... I don't know, one tail, one head or Niflheim because somebody at the airport had a false positive, an antigen test and there's no drummer. Or people are going to have to accept, just as I said last week about the Prophecy Festival that Primordial is in, that it's very possible we don't get there. And I think that moving ahead, the travelling music industry is going to have to literally be beholden to the idea that when you go to most festivals, unless, of course, the dust does actually settle and the fog clears and we manage to scrape all the uh, bullshit rhetoric off the streets. Um, and by that, I mean just lies and spin and propaganda that we've been sold for the last 18 months. If we manage to clear some of that shit away and get back our inalienable human rights, which we now have handed over and don't seem to realise that 
what the word inalienable means. Very difficult to say, actually. Anyway, um, if we don't do that, then the fact is that um, nothing can be planned 100%. Of course, you know, you could, there's been gigs where we've got to the airport and somebody said, oh, that airline is just folded. Oh, right. Okay. But you're still at the airport now. It's up to you to find uh, the cashola to find alternative travel plans. But here we're talking about literally every artist or every band being at the behest of um, basically this testing facility that I don't think is going to get dismantled because it's worth too much money. It's you know if you're if you're going to see a gig in Dublin or Stockholm or whatever, um, it's not hard for you to pick up a few cheap antigen tests in the morning and go. Uh, okay, here's my test. Here's my blah blah whatever. There's your ticket. But like if Primordial is playing in that at that festival, and we have to do the same. Um, this is going to be one of the biggest problems. Like I said before, it makes it almost impossible to plan. Unless, of course, musicians are, well, as they should be deemed, utterly essential travel and aren't quite beholden to the same things. But I don't think that's going to happen because uh, a positive case is a positive test. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, I don't know. It's very... It's very complicated and certainly without touring, without the ability to tour, without the ability to do this, um, you're taking away, uh, you know, or play festivals or let's be honest, look, just play live. You're taking away the reason for most bands to exist. Slowly but surely, the number of releases that bands have, you know, in the locker and um, is going to dry up. And in, you know, 12, 18, 24 months. A lot of bands are just going to disappear. I just watched an obituary live stream playing The End Complete and you can see it on the guys' faces. They're just like, okay, we just got to... They're having fun, but they're like, we need to get back to doing what we do. Now, if that's impossible, how much longer does a band like Obituary continue? Do they make one more album and go, okay, let's just put this on the shelf for four or five years? I mean, like I said to you, on the state clumsily um, trudging its way through trying to uh, trying to f- trying to give people back some of the things they took away. Um, some people are oh, seem okay with that, like I've given out about before. But the idea is you can't plan. And I'm going to address a few other, you know, I've got a few points here written on the, on the end of the page and I'll sort of slightly step sideways and address some of the things that people say to me about um, playing in a band now and how you can't do that. Uh, can't you just stream? No, you can't. Let's be clear. There's no economy in streaming. There isn't. You can do it once maybe and ask people to pay um, versus on your Vimeo or your Patreon or something. Or um, You can do that once, but you can't just keep streaming a different set. And considering bands used to play however many festivals every year in different countries, it just doesn't work like that. And I also think people are tired of it. They're sick of it. Um, and also art isn't just about economy. It's about... Um, the emotional transaction between you, the artist, and the people who can, who who enjoy are enriched by what you do. Just viewing it on a screen will not do. It won't do. And so, people within the arts councils um, who don't understand creative people and they don't understand this transaction, um, I would implore to stop pushing the streaming agenda. It just doesn't work. And as an artist, if the if the streaming agenda is what wins out then I will no longer be an artist. I'll become an assassin or a carpenter or something. Um, And, you know, better not hope I'm going to build your gallows. I don't know. Kaboom.
that's pretty good. You could be, a, uh, I don't know, I suppose you couldn't really be an assassin if you were, yeah, anyway. So the point is, no, you can't just stream. And no, streaming is not the replacement for being able to play live. We can see this as the amount of bands doing so has just dropped off dramatically. Um, that's just not um, a replacement for having live music. Like I said, if uh, streaming is just the end of rock and roll, uh, and people should really consider that. They should consider um, the cultural place that music has uh, within your life. Like I said to my friends before um, who supported lockdown, I said, hey, what music did you listen to today? Oh, Nirvana. Nirvana doesn't exist in a world of lockdown. They don't meet. They don't get to rehearse. They don't go on tour. Um, where you, did you meet your husband? Oh, at a Soundgarden gig. There isn't any Soundgarden gig. You don't meet your husband. You don't have your family. What you're doing by not understanding the broader implication um, of all of these things is denying everyone else from having the experiences that you had. Now, I'm, you know, look, I had a good uh, run of things, so to speak. Um, I'm not ready to quit yet, obviously, or I wouldn't be here complaining about all of this. But the fact is that accepting all these arbitrary decisions um, and deciding that health and safety on someone else's terms, and let's be honest, those terms are authoritarian, Deciding that health and safety has to be paramount over all forms of artistic and public expression of art itself means that there just won't be any art because all art will be um, only at the behest of unelected, unanswerable health officials, i.e. let's call them the HSE and KVD. That's what it will be. And those things will cease to exist. And so therefore, all of the experiences that you had growing up, and that's what I think is also at the heart of much of this, is a form of selfishness, which is like, well, I'm all right, Jack. I'm fine. I have my life experiences behind me. But imagine you're 16 or 17. Are you saying to somebody who's 17, hey, you're never going to go and see a band or you're never going to go. You're not going to go. As I said before, and it brought a few people to tears, as I said, hey, under lockdown, you never dance with a stranger again. Do you realize that? think about that that's what you're saying to people so of course I've been pushing that angle um, because I saw what was coming down the track and then of course looking at the optics of this gig with its steel girders and pens and cages I went yeah there you go of course even the message the, the messaging on the screen the ministry of truth messaging on the side even I was slightly taken aback at that but it doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me because you understand that for the last 18 months, agents of power and influence, even middle level or lower level um, people involved in that haven't, haven't had to answer to anybody for 18 months. They haven't had to think, I wonder, is that really morally a good choice? How does that reflect on things like um, democracy, freedom, liberty, authoritarianism? How do you not know when you're busy setting up that screen? Christ, this looks like something out of Orwell. 1984 because it does and if you've made that screen and you haven't thought that then obviously you're a fucking idiot or you just don't care because you realise that's where the power lies anyway the next point can't you just drop some merch no you can't just keep dropping merch as a band you just can't there's no economy in that either let's do some very simple mathematics um, let's say there's a 5 euro profit on every t-shirt Let's say there are five band members. Most times when you read an article about um, the musician, it's always one person because these days popular music is it's just Drake. It's just whoever else. It's just one name of a person. But most people are in bands 
um, we are a band. So a five euro profit is split by five, which is one euro each before tax. So that means if you crunch the numbers, which, you know, we've, I've made them pretty simple, a thousand T-shirts sold is a five thousand euro profit. So a thousand T-shirts. Now, most people in bands will tell you if you do a streaming event, you're lucky to sell a few hundred. Um, when Primordial put um, our um, set from Partisan on the European Metal Festival Alliance, we sold barely any T-shirts. Th- any now, admittedly, the website wasn't the most negotiable, but there was barely any T-shirt sales. So a thousand T-shirt sales online. I mean, most bands can't dream of that for a year. So, no, you can't just keep dropping merch to um, compensate for your income. It doesn't work like that. Maybe if you're a huge, huge band, it just doesn't work. It's that plain and simple. So streaming doesn't work. Merch doesn't work. Can't you just do, as I said, uh, talked about last week, what Matt Heafy does? No, you can't. Not everyone can be a a YouTube presenter. Not everybody has can play games on Twitch all day. Um, People have families. They have jobs that um, or did have jobs they have jobs um, other things to do they cannot just be on social media all the time trying to build the audience in order to get to the place where you can possibly make some money um, Matt Heafy has 220,000 followers on on whatever his platforms are that's because he's the main guy from Trivium who's been there for 15 or 20 years so his 20 year career has enabled enabled that platform for him to exist but you can't create that out of nothing. This idea that there is this untapped audience for everyone out there. There is for some bands, but there isn't for others. Now, if you take a look on Spotify and you'll see that a band like Cannibal Corpse have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Spotify um, people, you know, uh, monthly followers. It's huge. Um, whoever their management is, and of course you've got Metal Blade and all these people who've, who've just worked so well to manoeuvre Cannibal Corpse into that place. Now, I... I'm sure they aren't able to make each member a living um, per month. Um, They aren't going to be able to pay the rent from their streaming, but they'll make a little bit. Let's take, for example, though, another band um, who toured relentlessly, and that's Immolation, arguably the greatest death metal band in history, if you ask me. 27,000 followers on Spotify. 27,000. You're making nothing. They have to go on tour. They have to play festivals. Now, of course, the Immolation guys have jobs and businesses and this and that and the other. But without, but let's just say they were a bit younger, didn't have, um, they hadn't established those companies yet. Um, and they needed to tour. They needed to play festivals. They just ceased to exist. It's that simple. Um, so bands who need to tour and need to play festivals are in, um, they're literally at their wits end by now. Because like I said, um, travel is going to be so very difficult. And if the antigen thing just stays then you're at the mercy of arbitrary decisions. In, uh, halfway through an immolation tour, somebody tests a false positive going from Belgium to Holland um, and everything is above board and has to be, you know, let's say entered into your digital biometric passport. Then the whole tour is cancelled. That will just how it will be. The third ad read is for Hate Couture clothing man merchandise company all sorts of crazy interesting things there hateful yet tasteful as I keep saying so go to www.hate h-a-t-e c-o-u-t-u-r-e 616.com put in the promo code AA podcast and you will get free shipping all sorts of stuff there the veneration of serial killers and tyrants get into it
The other really boring and mundane problem that I've been trying to tell people about where the live music industry is, is insurance. It's really boring, but the terms of insurance for venues, for festivals, for everything is going to have to change. Insurance companies have been hit hard in the last two years or 18 months. Um, no doubt they have, have their um, clauses whereby something like this is something they cannot be blamed for. But you saw the tug of war between Hellfest and their insurers who refused to pay out because um, this, I suppose, is um, defined as an act of God and therefore un uninsurable. So your average small business which, you know, as I've stated before, it's clear small businesses are being pushed to the edge, pushed to uh, extinction. If you have a small bar with a small venue in the back and our uh, health and f safety officials come down and go, no, you need to install a new 14,000 um, euro um, extractor fan um, from my brother's company um, and you need to install a new uh, extractor fan you're not going to have the money to do that or you need to employ um, digital turnstiles where people, you know, not employ, um, install digital turnstiles where people scan um, their phones or something. There's no doubt that's going to be another financial record or do you need to hire new security who have also been trained as health officials? Who's checking what? What if one case is then linked to your venue? Do you get locked down, shut down again? Um the insurance claims are going to be huge. We live in a litigious society. What if um, unscrupulous members attending a gig decide, oh, hey, um, I got pretty sick, if you're that unlucky, um, to, I don't know, we let's just say you get pretty sick and you go, I, I could sue that venue for not having the proper uh, health and safety um, you know, requirements. No more venues. Um, you know, you saw this with, with people beginning to sue venues for having injuries incurred at gigs. Um, somebody fell on them in a mosh, in a this, falling over and, you know, like all sorts of arbitrary bullshit, which all helps to stop live music happening um, because, you know, human selfishness is innate. And there's no doubt that if somebody saw, oh, I could sue that venue. OK, let's go for it. That's also what could happen. So it's a very boring mundane conversation but insurance is going to be a really big issue um, like I said are festivals gonna I like I said I heard of a certain festival in Germany that wants to antigen test 20,000 people every morning before entrance now this is that's a, that's a staggering military like operation and what if one person tests positive are they going to shut the whole festival site down like they've been doing to, for example, states across Australia and other places where they just go, OK, local lockdown, one case. You can see that live music, human interaction and in all of these circumstances is placed on as a peripheral care um, over. We were once told, as I said, you know, um, it was about hospitalizations and, of course, deaths. You know, none of my commentary throughout the last 18 months has um, glossed over the fact that some people got very sick and some people did die. Of course, I was never suggesting anything to the contrary. But my point is that it ceased to be about that. Eventually, it became about cases. The idea that nothing in public can happen um, without health and safety being literally um, being in ultimate control of that 
level of freedom of expression, artistic expression, creative expression, live music, theatre, comedy, whatever. Take your pick of the thing that you like and then consider how it cannot happen. And here we are. Leads me back around to last weekend in Dublin. Um, Like I said, the data was in. Negligible transmission. You did your gig three or four weeks ago. You saw there was no numbers, which was quietly not reported because you kind of knew that the state wanted a disaster so they could keep the arbitrary rules in place. That's how I look at things. You can argue uh, to the contrary. But unfortunately for you, I've been kind of right to this point. Like I said, what's the podcast called? Clue is in the name. So the data was in. You didn't need to build these steel girders and pens for people. In fact, why not just, as I said, let twenty the first 20,000 people um, who applied in for free to give them something back? Anyway, this is what the state did. Those were the optics. And it really did look like something out of, as I said, one of those Vice documentaries about North Korea, where people... Um, it's certainly not live music they're going to see, but it's most likely some sort of uh, opera with children pretending to play guitars and sing. Well, I guess this is what happens. Um, you know, you could say our state is treating us like children, so why not just have uh, children on the stage miming along? Uh, I'm rambling. Nonsense. I made my point. My point was the optics were terrible. Um, and not just the optics, the intent. The undignified way that the people are being treated. Um, It just keeps rolling on and on. And like I said, the nature of it is now no one has had to answer for that. Like there's no um, autopsy of this event in the papers going, this was a terrible um, display of, um, this was a terribly undignified display of people not being allowed their human rights, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, will you stop comparing human rights in the West to blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. Look, just consider those two words, human rights, civil liberty, freedom, etc., etc. Consider the things that have been taken. And yes, they are applicable within that context. I'm not saying um, Ireland is going to fucking turn into Rwanda or something, but I get it. You get it. Like I said, don't protest the protester. Consider what they're protesting about, because right now, like I said last week, is this the revolution um, of by the 1% against the 99%. And I'm sure as hell you're listening to me, you're in the 99% as me. So maybe if you even disagree with the kind of things that I'm saying, fundamentally we're in the same boat. And then try and step outside that again and rationalise, now, why are we at loggerheads? Why are we arguing about this? Because divide and conquer. We've been siloed into these opposite opinions. So like I said, rather than be annoyed at me because I'm annoyed, consider the broader implications of the situation we find ourselves in going to uh, watch some bands play from within your uh, six people to a pen to a cage like cattle well my friends that is Agitators Anonymous that is my angry ramble for this week Um, there might be a gap of a week next year Um, rumour has it that I'm um, going to be um, spending a week in a Buddhist retreat it's just a rumour but we shall see All right, my friends Episode 65, Planet Satan, over and out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 